This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity and all the topics that extend from it. This week, we are talking with Mari Smith. If you've never heard of Mari, let's just say she's an energetic entrepreneur who has been known as the Facebook queen, but that's not all she can do. We're going to talk about social media and being productive in it as well as scaling, and some more life balance stuff. People who have got started small businesses and then gradually grown them and had to add people in and have teams have to learn how to step back and unplug, like we've been talking about in different ways over a number of different recent episodes. But first, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Podcasting A to Z by Cliff Ravenscraft. Having been involved with podcasting for a while now and having done this show for just over a year, I can tell you that I get a ton of questions all the time from people asking, how do I get started? How do I learn how to do it? How do I make a podcast that sounds as good as yours or some of the other ones that I've heard? How do I do it? And I have to refer them to Cliff because he has been the biggest resource in terms of how I have learned to podcast. I myself took his course, Podcasting A to Z, which is a four-week group training course where Cliff took us as students from the point of having no clue about the technical side of podcasting to where we could actually launch a professional-sounding podcast within those four weeks. And what was great was he was available and he was personal, and it wasn't just a bunch of videos that you just got access to. You had access to Cliff. You could ask any question in those four weeks, and it would be answered. And there was no limit on the amount of questions or how deep of a question you could ask. He would answer it. Cliff has been generous enough to give the listeners of the Beyond the To-Do List podcast a $500 discount to the Podcasting A to Z course. To take advantage of this discount and take that first step towards launching your very own podcast, simply go to podcastinga2z.com, click register now, and use the discount to do in the shopping cart. That's one word, T-O-D-O, to get $500 off podcasting A to Z. Well, on this episode, it is my privilege to speak with Mari Smith, the Facebook queen. Welcome to the show, Mari. Thank you, Eric. I'm glad to be here. This is going to be fun. <laughs> For those that don't know you, there are probably people who don't necessarily look into the world of social media marketing and you know using it full-time in business and things like that. So they won't know you, but people that are into that, which I know that the audience maybe for the show is kind of split down the middle, 
you they will recognize your name immediately and say, oh, Mari, cool. You're very much known for being the Facebook queen. And is that a title you gave yourself or is that just something somebody else gave you? <laughs> I definitely did not give it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it. It's kind of playful. Um, you know, actually, funnily enough, for quite some time, I used to have a photograph of, with a little tiara on it. And I That's right. I used to use that for my profile picture. And I kind of had it just a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, I, I don't mind that moniker. It's kind of fun and playful. And, you know, obviously I've, I've written books on Facebook. I, I teach and speak all over the world on Facebook marketing. And to, to be perfectly frank, I, I really like to have people know that my knowledge is far broader and, and deeper than Facebook marketing. You know, I actually uh, was an online marketing consultant since uh, 1999. And I wrote my first information product in 2003. And, uh, you know, I've been doing internet marketing for a very long time. And when I got involved with Facebook in 2007, it was very much a, a fusion of my different skills and, and passions and, and talents. That's excellent. Yeah. I mean, it, you've always had a, a passion for technology. So it's, it's not necessarily that, you know, social media came along and suddenly your life had purpose, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some and people think that's how things work, so. Yeah, and you know, it's so funny because uh, you just reminded me, I'll see periodically, you know, if some things will be happening on Facebook and, and people that maybe don't know me that well, they'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, if, if anything ever happened to Facebook and it went away, you know, Mari would be out of a job. <laughs> and no, that's definitely not going to happen. No, not at all. Well, probably the listeners can tell you have an accent. Can you fill us in as, on your multiple lineage of where you're from? <laughs> sure thing, sure thing. So I was born in Canada. Uh, just outside Toronto, uh, but my parents are, are both Scottish. They were both born in Scotland. They met and uh, had their family in, in Canada. And, and and then when I was two, I moved over to BC with my folks and grew up in a tiny little place in the boonies of BC. Uh, my folks split up when I was 12, and I went over to Scotland uh, with my dad and my sisters, uh, where I lived uh, till 1999. And then I came to San Diego, California, so I've been here for about 14 years, so I've got this mix. I don't know. Somebody called me Scandifornian once. Uh, <laughs> a mixture of Scottish, Canadian, Californian. Yeah. That's great. And so 1999, what happened at that point that, I mean, did you suddenly call yourself an entrepreneur or did you kind of grow into that? You know what? It's really fascinating. So I, you've probably heard that the definition of luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I had been an employee all my life. I left school real young. I left school at 15. I never went to college. I went right into the workforce. I had no desire to, to, to get more education. I just, I had to work and get money. My dad never had any money. So I just was, you know, anxious to, to, to grow up and have money. <laughs> and so, um, and I was also a year ahead of myself. So my peers were 16 and I was 15 and you can leave school at 16, um, um, in Scotland and the UK. So I uh, went right into the workforce, had a variety of different careers, uh, from secretarial to sales, um, um, computers. And the whole of 1998, I finally got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. And I was going to take classes on running your business and just really understanding the structure of it. I was building a website, I was starting to put flyers together, and uh, basically spent the whole year of 98 planning to have uh, an online training, uh, excuse me, it wasn't online, it was in person. It was like traveling around Scotland, teaching people about personal development and professional uh, public speaking, things like that. And I was just in the process of getting a small business loan. And that is when the opportunity, the invitation landed in my lap, just literally out of the blue to come to San Diego. 
And now, and I didn't necessarily know it at the time, but in hindsight, that whole year of preparation to become an entrepreneur and run my own business in 98, that was preparing me to come to San Diego, which where, where I was ultimately began my business in, in 99. So 99, that's like even back in the, uh, you know, the dot com bubble days where things were just getting swinging with, you know, everybody was like, Hey, we're, we're going to create a business and it's going to be on the internet. And a lot of people didn't even, I mean, in some ways, the, in, the, the internet wasn't even mainstream at that point. So, Correct. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. You know, and I just, I've always loved computers. I remember when I was like 12 or 13 or 14, my, my dad had this ancient Sinclair. So I forget the name. It was like, you're, you're probably too young. It had the, like a little uh, <laughs> tape drive in the, in the keyboard, a little cassette drive that you put in the keyboard. This ancient little thing. And I just loved computers. But yeah, when I came here, like I had no money. I was flat broke. I came with like 50 British pounds. It's like a hundred bucks in my pocket. That's all I had. And I was staying with these friends that had invited me. And, but very, very quickly, I, I got introduced to an immigration attorney and I ended up bartering with him for his legal fees to help me get my papers together <laughs> uh, in exchange for a website. I built my website. <laughs> That's great. That's how it worked. So, so you were already networking right then and there. Instantly. Like yes. I got here and I'm like, okay, I just knew. And I, I love to say that there's a difference between a belief and a knowing because a belief is like you're kind of, kind of willing yourself to believe it every now and again. Maybe a little doubt can creep in, but a knowing is like, it's just like etched in every cell of your being. You just absolutely know. And that's, that was the feeling I had in January of 99. I just absolutely knew I was supposed to be in San Diego and start a new life. And I, I began to network. I would actually went to, um, Toastmasters. I was really active with them in Scotland. So I just looked up my local Toastmasters in San Diego, started to get out. And the learning annex was really big back then. I started just going to classes and just meeting people and asking around. And, and that's how it all unfolded. That's awesome. That, it sounds to me like you've got one of those stories where, like a lot of people, even like myself, where you have these aspirations and you have these talents and you even have these, these dreams, but you kind of have to wait for this perfect storm of, for the elements to show up, you know, the wind to blow the right way, which I think for you was probably, you suddenly probably hit your stride at the time that uh, social media started to just really take off. Is that right? Like that season between where you were just talking and when social media kind of suddenly became a thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, I was uh, doing online marketing for for many years and I was married for a while from 01 to 09. And I got on Facebook in 07 and uh, my ex and I actually, we had just sold our family property and uh, I decided to get an RV. I was like, let's, that sounded like a brilliant idea at the time. Like, let's travel around the country in a motorhome for a while. That's <laughs> 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 so You got to have a strong relationship to be yeah. able to do that. So we did that for 18 months and, and then chose to go our separate ways. But at that time, I was like, my business had really begun to, 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 to grow. And I was, I, we had to like plan our RV travels to where I was going to be speaking. And <laughs> we were mostly on the West Coast and we went up to Alaska and back. When I chose to release my marriage, and this is a little bit more on the esoteric side, a little more personal, spiritual, I have a very, very rich spiritual life, uh, which really began to deepen in 2009 when I chose to get divorced. And it was really cathartic. It was very, very fundamental in my business, like literally choosing to live into my truth, which at that time, unfortunately, was that my marriage was not supposed to be for life. And I chose to move on. Uh, It just had this 
it's like it released this like this floodgates of of energy and even more passion and excitement and my my business just absolutely blew up in in 2009 and it was the perfect like you you described it very well there Eric it was it really was the perfect storm it was just a culmination of many different situations and funnily enough i remember actually a marketing friend of mine a girl up in vancouver and she had reached out to me Later in 2009, she's like, Mario, you know, I've been watching your growth um, over the last several years and you were clearly on like a steady climb. And then all of a sudden, like something just spiked off the ethers, like this meteoric explosion. And she's like, could you give me the name of your like your marketing manager, your PR consultant, your business coach? Like, who are you working with? And I just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, uh, nobody. <laughs> like, first of all, I chose to release my marriage. It was, you know, just one of those things. It wasn't supposed to work out. And uh, second of all, I just, I really began to embark on a more spiritual life and, and do a lot more inner work and really heal and grow my inner self. So I found that that had a profound impact. Well, thank you so much for being, you know, so open and personal about sharing with that because I didn't expect to get that from you. So that's, that's pretty cool. I think you're, again, you're kind of describing that whole thing where some people are like, man, you're an overnight success. And you're like, yeah, for the last, you know, what, 10, 15 years. (laughs) years is true. Yeah. It's hilarious. I mean, everybody that I know that is a success in, in any, you know, level has had that kind of a story happen where maybe not exactly, you know, same circumstances as you're talking about, but like, like you said, with the PR, they, they wanted to know your PR consultant or whatever. It's not, yeah. it's never been about, you know, suddenly hiring some person to like suddenly position yourself better in people's eyes or, or higher or more. It's, it's usually they've invested and they've planted seeds for so long that now when they're doing something, you know, people that they've connected with so for so long start promoting, you know, this new thing they do or, or something. So it, it's always different, but that that's what ends up happening is they pay, they pay their dues basically for so long that it comes back around finally. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use indeed to find and hire great talent fast in fact in the minute i've been talking to you 23 hires were made on indeed according to indeed data worldwide and listeners of the show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash to-do list just go to indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. 
I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity, from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, to learn more. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I totally agree. And and, and I have that saying that say, you know, I'm an overnight success, 10 years in the making. (laughs) (laughs) And um, funnily enough, it's like whatever level of of success, and and I always think that that's in the eye of the beholder. You know, I have four sisters, three of them have children, I don't have children. And I think that in my eyes, they are equally as successful as I am because they, in a different area, they're fantastic parents, they have beautiful children, and and that was a, a life that they chose. And it's just different. Money and material success is just one way to to measure, um, you know, success. But um, for example, whatever you're at, whatever level you're at, there's always another level to go to and and you always experience like a different set of problems so yesterday i was at an all-day uh, internet marketing mastermind here in san diego and some of these people are extremely accomplished making millions and millions of dollars just blows me away and it doesn't matter wherever you're at like i say there's going to be this different problem so one of the things that we were talking about yesterday was um uh, scaling the problem of scaling especially if you are more of a personality-based business, so people look you up and they're following you on your different social channels and then they want to hire you and do work with you, they, they think it's going to be you. It's like you're going to do all the fulfillment, you're going to do all the engagement and it, it's just not humanly possible. So, you know, I'm just like right in that space where I'm like, I kind of got some more growing pains to go through to really leverage what I've already created. Yeah, definitely. And actually, that's uh, let's talk about that scaling for a little bit here because mm. you're one of the people that I know online that has one of those, I mean, I guess huge followings. I don't know if that's accurate or whatever, but you have a ton of, mm. you know, friends and fans and followers mm. and all those other words and okay. plus ones. I don't know. And circles. There you go. Google Plus. How have you over time kind of recognized the growing pains in your social media interaction? where it was maybe failing at some point and you want to continue maintaining having that engagement because I know that's important to you. It's it's critical. It's so, so crucial to me. And the other thing is just really maintaining my voice. And I just, I don't believe in delegating your voice and, and ghost tweeting, I guess, or something like, you know, Hollywood celebrities have to have that in place. One of the things that I've managed to do over the last couple of years is to delegate the sourcing of my content. And what I did is I found that I would get really, really particular about the kinds of content I choose to share in my social channels, which the vast majority of it is what I call OPCs, other people's content. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it's not all mine. And I think when people realize that when they're first starting out their social channels, they realize they don't have to originate all the content. It's perfectly fine to share other people. So, so much of what I do is intuitive and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to share this, but I'm not going to share that. And I'd like stop myself and go, okay, wait a minute. Why, what is it about this blog post 
that makes more sense to share with my followers than this one. And I would like get some real distinctions and, you know, uh, look at different quality markers, make a note of that and build a whole system that I was then able to train uh, someone on my team to be able to find the content and curate and cherry pick. Now I have someone do that for me on Twitter and uh, she will schedule it through Hootsuite. I'm always going to be the final eyes on it. I check and see everything before it goes out. So that part is wonderful. And, and then the other aspect is the, um, the engagement over on my Facebook fan page. I get a lot of questions and particularly around Facebook. And I found between those two things, finding my own content on Twitter and answering my own questions on Facebook, uh, my fan page, I was burning up probably anywhere from an hour to two hours a day. And by having people in place to help me with those two elements, you know, freed up that time. The part that I do not delegate is the engagement on Twitter, like at mentions of talking to me, uh, I will be the one replying. So and I always say to people, anytime you see me saying I or me, if I'm speaking in first person, it absolutely is me. Um, and so, you know, that's just the way I found it. I think at some point I might introduce a similar system that I've done on my fan page. What I did is... um I set up a secondary Facebook page as a community page and it's simply called Team Mari. And uh, I have uh, three different admins on there in my team that they log in as the Team Mari page. And then they go to the Mari Smith page and respond to the questions on the wall there. And I think at some point I might do the same with uh, Twitter. I think I have at Team Mari Smith and the at Team Mari Smith could be responding and just handling some customer service if I, I don't, I'm not always able to, to be there and respond, you know? Oh, that, that is interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. That's very interesting because I do social media management as my day job. And so I'm always looking to try and figure out, okay, how do you scale this stuff? It, it's interesting to see. Yeah. And you know, there's another element here too is about trust because if someone's getting a response from a person's name page, right? A personality based brand and they're, they really think it's that person. And I think sometimes it's a little bit disappointing to them if they realize, oh my gosh, that's not really that person. So I just found that this was a really uh, effective way, effective workaround. Because the other, the other thing is that my team they always sign off on their first name, so they know my, my my community knows that they're not talking to me; they're talking to Juan or Kristen or Lori. Or it's good to hear that even though they're kind of collecting content that gets pushed out, that you know other people's content, mm-hmm. that you still have the final eyes on that, but that you've trained them well enough to know, you know, your voice and what you'd be interested in, in pushing out. That's really yeah. cool. It's very important for you to be in charge of the engagement factor and you're still trying to figure out maybe a way to, you know, still get questions answered and things like that. However, in between the speaking time and the time spent working in your business, how do you manage your, you know, your day to day where you've got scheduled time to, all right, I'm going to jump on Twitter and see what my app mentions are and make sure that I can answer as many people as possible. How do you secure those times? Yeah, yeah. Well, I use Google Calendar and I have, let's see, how many do I have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have eight different colored calendars that overlay one another, you know, how Google Calendar works. And I just love it because then I give my team access to certain ones and uh, one of them is public. So anytime I have public events, that goes into an, a little embedded widget on my website. So I, I have blocks of time, obviously, for, you know, hard appointments, things like that. I have blocks of time for one of my calendars called focus time. And so I have my certain times that I need to focus when I'm doing writing. However, interestingly enough, 
even though <laughs> I coach my clients and my students that it's important to do exactly as you said, to actually have specific carved out times. Okay, this is my Twitter response time. This is my you know Facebook engagement time, that kind of thing, my social media time, basically. Vast majority of my social activity is slotted in throughout the day and in a, in a approach that, that I call grouting. You're like grouting your day. And a lot of it's done through mobile as well. Uh-huh. Many years ago, I was at a Twitter conference and uh, Chris Hardick at Nerdist, comedian. Yes. He was the one that stood up and said to people, this is several years ago, and he said, you know, guys, Twitter isn't, he was specifically talking about Twitter as a Twitter conference, but really applies to all of social media. He said, Twitter isn't something that you sit down and you carve out 20 minutes. Okay, now I'm going to do Twitter. He said, you grout your day with Twitter. And I'm like, you know what? That makes so much sense because any time I have a little few minutes here, a few minutes there, you pop out a few app mentions, you skim, skim your news feed, a few likes, a few comments. By the end of the day, it all really adds up. And then I'll do more concentrated times, you know, on, on days where I've got a little bit more freedom, flexibility to, to fit time slots in. Uh, I'll, I'll have like, you know, sometimes I could spend you know, a couple hours on Facebook just responding to things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and obviously, if you've got a chunk of, you know, stuff that your your team has, you know, collated together or um, not collated. What's the other word? Curated. Curated. That's yeah. it. I, mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of both, though. They're similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that they have, a you know, they've got a ton. They've batched a bunch of stuff together for you that they want to automate out for you then you'll probably sit down and maybe do a batch of, okay, that one's good, that one's good, that you know, and check, you know, do quality control, not that you probably need to. Yeah, no, that's crucial to me, and I do. And, I mean, uh, Kristen that does my tweet, she's been with me for quite some time, but but every now and again it's still like, oh, no, that's not quite hitting the mark, and I, and I give her some input because she really wants to get it perfect, but she usually gets about 8 or 9 out of 10, and I have to get in there and, make some changes. And then what I like to do too is, is find new sources. I really love to give focus to, uh, or to put the spotlight on like up and coming blogs or ones that not everybody else is tweeting and retweeting. You know, I mean, I love Mashable, but I, I sometimes Kristen puts Mashable tweets in there. I'm like, no, everybody can go to Mashable. I don't want to retweet Mashable. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me get some like unusual sources of people. All oh, right. Okay. This is content. I, I hadn't, thank you for surfacing it for me. I didn't know it was out there, you know. I love when people do that because, you know, again, there are some people where every other tweet is a, it's a mashable tweet. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's kind of a, a sign that maybe you don't necessarily know what you're doing per se in, in social true. media, to be it's honest. Yeah. And, and nothing against mar- mashable. I mean, I, right. I, I skim them very, very often, but not all the time am I going to just tweet something out of there because I, I, most of the time I, I consider, yeah, everybody's already seen this. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So your love of people and technology, sometimes those two things, you know, tech, you know, human beings and, you know, the robots, as we'll call them, don't necessarily get along. Like, and yet at the same time, I, I, this is one of those things where I, I talk about, I say it, it, technology is kind of like the Iron Man suit. You know, Tony Stark's still Tony Stark, but then when he puts the Iron Man suit on, he can, he can do amazing things. But at the same time, it brings a whole other world of like problems along with it. How have you, as you've scaled and as you've grown your business, what have been some kind, you know, the, uh, maybe some of the moments that you can think of where technology's maybe gotten in the way? Hmm. 
Well, I, I would say a couple of things there, and I'm, I'm going to bring in a couple elements that are again a little more on the on the esoteric, personal, spiritual. Some people might even say woo woo side. <laughs> but hey, I'm in California now. I'm You're, you are yeah. totally free to do that on this show. <laughs> you have license. No problem. Good. So I never know where your listeners are at or people's, people's listeners are at. So I, I really think that, you know, I, I t- totally agree. I mean, uh, technology these days is just absolutely profound. And when you look at, um, the, the ability to see people face to face through like Google Hangouts or, you know, go to meeting, FaceTime on the iPhone, things like that. It's just phenomenal. And I've said for years that there's really no amount of sophisticated technology that will ever take the place of live in-person connecting when you're actually in the room together. You can shake hands, you can read people's body language, see their energy, look into their eyes. There's just, even with live video, uh, you, you just can't quite emulate that. But obviously, the next best thing is video and specifically live video. So when we can use these technologies like that to deepen our connection, to deepen our intimacy, even with our clients, our students, fans, followers, etc., that's wonderful. I think the part, though, that it becomes a detriment is when we use the technologies as a replacement for connecting in person, as a replacement social life, as a, a fix, as, a, as, as like pseudo-connection. And I've got to tell you, Eric, I, I struggle with this almost on a daily basis. I literally have to make myself like get off the computer, get off the phone. When I go out and I'm with friends or I'm in a social environment or a business environment, like I try to really just be mindful and not just bury myself in my technology and put it away and connect with people that are in front of me. So I think what happens if you ever go out for dinner with your spouse and you're like looking around and you'd be amazed how many people are on their phone, you know, often couples out on dates, for example, and there they are buried in their phones. And I actually, I actually, my theory is that it's a fear of intimacy. It's actually people would rather look at their phones than look into each other's eyes and just be real and, and connect. And whether, you know, no matter what kind of, whether it's friends or romantic partner or whatever. But, um, so anyway, I just think that that's, that's where things are at with this whole creation that we've, we've manifested and is this, this technology in order to deepen connections and create new connections that we would never have had before. I mean, I think there's actually been, more family reunions and more school reunions since Facebook came along than there ever were before. And, you know, what is it they say? How many couples meet on Facebook? Seven out of ten or something like that? It's crazy. Oh, wow. That's a that's a yeah. high number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy high. And, and they talk about the whole opposite effect, too, where it's like half of the divorce paperwork these days contains the word Facebook in it somewhere. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of what I'm talking about is it's just there's 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 this huge possibility or potential that the, the technology these days is is giving us, which is great. You yourself have talked about, you know, live video where anybody anywhere in the world that has an Internet connection can see and hear from you and interact with you, which is amazing. And yet at the same time, it's like you can create an addiction and have that pseudo connection going on. It is. You're right. It is an addiction. You know, and, and one of my solutions to to monitoring that addiction for me anyway is I, I take regular spiritual retreats, but once a quarter, I just go totally off the grid for about three days. And I, I go to one of my favorite programs by, by my spiritual teacher here in San Diego. And I will actually put out, even though it'd be real easy for me to keep my scheduled tweets going through throughout the weekend, I'll put up a tweet like on Friday and, and say, you know, I'm, I'm going off the grid. 
I'm, I'm away. I'm away at a spiritual retreat for a few days. I'll see you on the other side. And I want my purpose in doing that is really to give, to give other people permission to take a break. You know, I mean, 10 years ago, none of this existed. We didn't have to be on 24 seven. And if you are a, a solopreneur, a small business owner, you have to take time off. Yes, the big brands, they can be on 24 seven. They've got the resources. They've got the worldwide staff. You know, but even so, I mean, you see the quiet down a little bit on the weekends, but I just think it's really important to give, to, to bring in some balance, you know, and just demonstrate to other people that you're not a robot. You are a human and it is important to take, take time out and regroup. Yeah. That's excellent advice for those solopreneurs out there that are listening. Would you have any other uh, advice or maybe, Hey, don't do this because I did it wrong kind of advice for those solopreneurs as they are getting started. I'm sure you get questions all the time. Like, How do I get started in social media? But can you add the angle of without going crazy? Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite questions. Well, I haven't heard it worded that way, but I love it. So here's the thing. I say to people, you basically want to have an overarching simple strategy would be a combination of content, which we talked to quite a bit about today, just, you know, curating really good quality, relevant, timely content, coupled with engagement, you've got to be in there engaging. And the third component is conversion. You've got to be able to convert all of this activity and all these friends, fans, followers into money in the bank. Otherwise, you know, you're just, you're just wasting your time. So those are three elements you can keep in mind. Then as to how to keep up with this overwhelm or to get over the overwhelm and deal with the fire hose of information and the ridiculous amount of changes that come along daily, specifically on Facebook <laughs> without going crazy, is to select at first one platform that you're going to master, somewhat master, and go deep with that. For most people, it's good to be Facebook, but it could be Twitter or Google Plus or LinkedIn, maybe Pinterest, Instagram, not sure. And once you've got somewhat mastery of that, you've got profile, you've got things happening, you've got page, etc., then you move on to a second one. And really, you're not going to go that much broader than two or three. It's just impossible to master all the platforms and to be active on all the platforms. However, you definitely want to have an optimized profile. Like I really don't do a lot on LinkedIn, but I know that my profile over there is is fairly well optimized and I periodically, you know, check on it and I just haven't got a content strategy in place for LinkedIn or Google Plus really. And I, I was active on there quite a bit when it first came out two years ago. But my platforms of choice are Facebook and Twitter and I do a fair bit on Instagram, but I do have my Instagram connected to both Facebook and Twitter. So if there's always strategy behind it, no matter what I'm sharing on Instagram, I know that it's pushing content over onto my profile. I also, I'm actually active on, on a very active personal profile as well as the business, business page or business timeline as they call it. And I don't know where these 402,000 followers came from, but, <laughs> but over the last couple of years, I've built quite a number of followers, which I personally think is a wonderful use of Facebook when people enable the follow button, because then you have this ability to get seen in the news feed uh, a second time. You know, I really think that the, the if you use your page, your business page and your personal profile with the follow on, you use it strategically to push content out that's relevant and timely. You, you've got like several opportunities to get content out there in the news feed. And I think that typically Facebook tends to favor content from profiles. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I know when I'm looking at my news feed, most of it is going to be from friends or people I follow. 
uh, and 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 less would be from from pages unless it's paid. That no, that's exactly what I've what I have found to be true. Again, some more great advice for people out there just getting started, and honestly. Even uh, a great reminder for those of us who, that have been doing it for a while. What would you say to somebody who's maybe burned out a little bit on social media? Well, funnily enough, so I was just talking to a friend the other week there, and um, she was formerly quite active in social media, and she's just off doing some other things now. We were talking about Twitter, and she says to me, you know, I'm kind of bored with Twitter now. Does Twitter still really work? <laughs> I just laughed, and I said <laughs> to her, well, you know, I've chosen to – Two things, uh, well, three, I guess. It's those, um, the main one is the content. By, by having, like, paying someone on my team that I see the value so much in having regular content go out. Really, seven days a week, I'm pushing content out. It's a little bit less on the weekends, hardly anything on a Sunday, but just something, maybe a, a quote. Um, actually, one of my strategies, too, a couple of years ago, I, I, I introduced, um, to my, my, uh, content is, uh, a motivational or inspirational quote. First thing in the morning, you should go out somewhere between 5 and 5.30 Pacific, which is 8 and 8.30 Eastern. And that's typically my most retweeted tweet of the day. People love quotes, but I don't want to bombard them with quotes. I just do one a day, and that does real well. And then maybe five or six pieces of content. So having someone on your team really, you know, if you're able to delegate this, have an assistant, having that consistent content plus proactive growth. I got to tell you, Eric, over the years, I've been blown away by how many of people I would consider my peers that, you know, been kind of really sharing this path for a long time. And they just haven't put much effort or focus on proactively building their following. You know, and I use a site called uh, Manage Flitter. Uh, you might be familiar with it. Yes, it's kind of a funny site. name, right? I think it's like all these crazy social sites out there with funny names. But yeah, Manage Flitter is one Actually, I just recently started. I'm going to give a plug for my some of my my, my friends here in um, yeah, go San for Diego. It. Uh, let's me just make sure I get the the name right. Yes, yeah, Scoreboard Social. So ScoreboardSocial.com. Um, free trial for 30 days, and then it's pretty nominal. But but the one key feature that uh, my buddy Tyler Tyler Anderson's actually the the, the brains behind this. Um, you can. Put in, like, in a watch list. Let's say you watch, like, five influencers in your specific genre. And then what it does is it goes and it finds the most engaged people in that person's follower list. And then you can follow them. Wow. So you're basically following the most engaged people uh, with, with big influencers. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm yes. checking that out. Yeah, isn't that neat? Yeah, so it's just, that's the element there, I think, that if people are a little bit, they're kind of plateaued, and they're kind of bored with any of these different sites, it's like, okay, maybe you need to switch up your content strategy, get more involved, get more engaged. It's the whole law of reciprocity. The more engaged you are, the more engagement you'll, you'll create. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's another thing that I found to be true. There was a period in time where I'd kind of grown... I guess maybe a little lazy with just, um, I, I wasn't trying to build anything. I wasn't trying to build like a Twitter following or anything, but I suddenly just started following a bunch of people who were already following me. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, they'd see that and then they would hit, hit me up and say, Hey, thanks for the follow. I love your, your show or whatever, something like that. Cool. And so I'd write back and say, Oh, thank you so much. And the more that I followed those people, I saw about tenfold the amount of followers increase, and I didn't expect that. Like I, th- I thought it'd be more of a one to one, but it, I think, and that's why I think it had to do with the engagement factor that happened after the fact. 
Yeah, yeah. People can tell that there's a real human being behind the account. And when you're responding, you know, it just really, you can make somebody's day with, with a tweet. I just, it never ceases to amaze me how, how easy it is to, to make somebody's day. I mean, actually, you know something? This reminds me of a tweet the other day there where a guy over in Ireland, he had tweeted to me and in his profile, he, he, his profile says something, his bio says something about him liking bananas and his avatar is him as a, a wacky photo of him eating a banana. Hmm. <laughs> so I sent him a little, Note back, you know, I followed him back, like you say, like he he was following me and he tweeted me and I followed him back and, 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 and I said, um, it's nice to connect in Twitter land, as I call it, and just said, I love your goofy avatar. And I was on my phone at the time and I added, you know, those little emoticons. So I, <laughs> the emojis, yes. I added a little emoticon of a, a smiley face and a banana. He goes off and he writes up a big blog post about how he was like starstruck and, and, and just such a fan and how, Freaked out. He got this tweet from Mari. It was so awesome. And then he put a little question at the bottom. Uh, Mari, if you're reading this, what can I buy from you? And then he tweeted me to tell me the post was up. So I tweeted back to him. I'm like, thank you so much. Of course, I responded to his, his blog post. And um, sure enough, he's went out, he's bought one of my courses. I go from oh, wow. one tweet with a banana in it. <laughs> that is that is great. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so crazy. I mean, and that's funny. That actually reminds me of how... Uh, this interview got scheduled. It, it was a weird kind of a, a, a two instances, really. I was talking with fellow uh, social media marketing uh, friend of ours, Michael Stelsner, who I know listens to this show. Hi, Michael. He's also been on twice. And you saw me interacting with him. And so you sent me a friend request. And I was like, oh, cool. Mari sent me a friend request on Facebook. <laughs> and then we, you know, private messaged back and forth a couple of times. And I asked you if you'd be on the show and you were more than gracious to, to jump on. And so that was really cool. That was number one. But then later I remembered you had tweeted, uh, an article and I could not remember. I knew what the gist of the article was, but I did not know the title and I didn't know how to, I mean, I didn't break. Hey, everybody, do you know how to do such and such? Uh, you know, when you, you broadcast that, when you could easily Google it first, mm -hmm. I tried Googling it first, but you were so gracious and you looked back through your tweets for a couple weeks real quick. I think you probably, maybe you might have delegated, but that's totally cool too. I but didn't know it was me that did it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that you did that and then you were like, is it one of these three? And I looked at them and I said, it's number three. Thank Yay. you so much because <laughs> I wanted to read that article again all about, you know, is, is, does Twitter still work? That, that was kind of the gist of it. And it was a, a John Jantz, uh, it was a guest post by somebody on John Jantz's duct tape marketing's mm -hmm. site. And so the fact that you went out of your way to find that, I, I guess that to me, I'm sharing here that you proved to me that everything you've said so far about what you do and how you do it is totally true. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. That just, that warms my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so then just, that, so there, that's a tweet that made my day and you were responsible. So there you go. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I hope like your listeners can realize that it's beautiful. What you just illustrated is just, it basically is this component of the technology and the people. If we took the technology away and you and I were sat in a room together and you came up to me and actually said, Hey, Mari, do you remember that article you were talking about? I wouldn't just like totally ignore you, turn my back, walk out of the room, you know, like, wait, did somebody say something? You know, what yes. I mean? it's like, it's like common courtesy. There's just, everybody knows how to be human beings and, and how to engage and show up at a social function and be nice to people and respond. And so if you just take that onto the technology, there's, there's no other way to be. 
Yeah. I have uh, two last questions as we're winding down here sure. with our time. What are some of the the micro habits maybe that you've cultivated over your life that have had a compound effect on your life and your business? Gosh, micro habits. I would say for sure looking after my health. I, I just um, – this is in fact this year I really ramped that up. I, I'm, I'm actually at my fittest ever in my whole life. I actually lost 18 pounds. Sir. I actually don't like to say loss. I gave it back to the universe because I don't <laughs> want it back. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, I was always pretty slim, but I, I just really toned up and, and I've noticed that because uh, I worked with a trainer, uh, a different trainer, I'd worked with a trainer for many years and I just, I, I shifted up and work, have a different regime now. So I'm just very, very, um, dedicated to my fitness and my nutrition. And what I found is that that level of discipline and dedication has really impacted my business this year in terms of my focus and just what I'm what I'm able to accomplish my friends call me a machine <laughs> sometimes I have people come over and sit uh, sit and watch me on the computer it's pretty amazing so that's one element is first and foremost always the the, the health and fitness and um, and I would also say that a, a micro habit is absolutely my personal slash spiritual development. Uh, first thing in the morning, I I will listen to, uh, um, I put on a meditation or a guided visualization. Uh, I have these wonderful affirmations and, and I want to feed my mind with this very, very positive and uplifting information that really sets the tone for the rest of my day. Yeah, so those, those are some habits. And I think just um, in terms of business, I would say too, you know, a, a micro habit, I guess this would be, is just really... Uh, making sure that I, I've kept my word and that I followed through and that my team are on, on the top of things and, you know, that things are running smoothly as they, as they are supposed to. Awesome. Well, you've partially answered already the, the last question I have, mm-hmm. which is the one that I ask everybody. I'm going to ask it anyway because I think sure. you might be able to elaborate, which is in an ideal world, how do you start your day? Ha! In an ideal world. Okay. So in an ideal world, let's see. Because <laughs> I get to play here, and I yes. go, okay. Let's see, let's see what's. Uh, I like to take really, really a good couple of hours. I don't really like to start the business day for you know, and I'm not that much of an early riser because I tend to be a night owl. And so, but an ideal day, I would be up around six, um, catch the sunrise of a beautiful home overlooking east. Uh, and actually, I caught it this morning, and I did get uh, a nice um, photograph of it. And just take my time, do some yoga, get on my rebounder, um, uh, do some workout, meditation, just slowly get into the day. Really in an ideal day, something that I'm, I'm working on implementing is having, uh, like a brain trust or like a very, very small group of, uh, trusted advisors that would cherry pick everything that's happened throughout the night that I need to know and just present a report in front of me. You know, kind of like they do it for the president. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, that's kind of on my radar is something I want to implement. Mari Smith's cabinet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I think that would just be so wonderful. But actually, in the interim, I have a, a wonderful support club called the Inner Circle. And uh, it's set up for me to support them we have a couple hundred members in there but what's beautiful is it actually works both ways it i often i'll i'll discover one you know news nuggets uh, from my inner circle first because people are just very generous with them sharing excellent well as our time is has run down where would you like people to connect with you online in sure. all these different places yeah well fortunately i, I i'm mari smith everywhere it's just marismith.com uh, twitter.com slash Mari Smith, facebook.com slash Mari Smith. Um, 
And then let's see, Instagram's the only place I, I have an underscore. It's, uh, my Instagram ID is as Mari underscore Smith. Hopefully I can get that the one without the underscore at some point. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll have all those links in the show notes for this episode. Mari, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so much. My pleasure. It's been a delight. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, thank you to Mari Smith for stopping by and talking to us. That was awesome. And don't forget this week's sponsor, Podcasting A to Z at podcastingatoz.com. Again, don't miss out on how to learn to best launch your new podcast by getting the $500 discount off the course using the code TODO, that's all one word, T-O-D-O, at podcastingatoz.com. If you have feedback for the show, please leave us a rating or review on beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes, and we'll see you next time. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, theorize over the TV shows Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and Under the Dome. Laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx.